Episode 19, we have a guest. We have Derek Gwynn. He is at Virginia Tech. He's a, a senior associate athletic director of compliance. And so this is, I really enjoyed this conversation because we just talked pretty much all things NIL. And I had a lot of questions as a college football fan because it's obviously still pretty new, figuring out a lot of things. And so it was interesting hearing the perspective of someone who's inside of it. For anyone who likes college football, especially because I feel like that's one of the biggest ones, but college sports in general, I think it's going to be a great interview. So before we jump into that, though, my new favorite segment, because I can't stand Florida man anymore because you're just infinitely better than me. No comment there because you're just you don't even have to talk because you're that much better than me. But on this day in history, can you tell us what happened? Yeah, I tell you what. First of all, I am infinitely better than you at Florida Man. I mean, I don't know what it is. It just must be the way it just must be the way like the sentences go together in a paragraph that I just like. Getting philosophical here, man. I know. So a couple cool things, man, that I want to touch on that happened on May 9th when this episode gets released. Christopher Columbus last voyage so he leaves spain hopefully looking for asia apparently so in 1502 it was his last it was his fourth and final voyage boom after the 1492 also also woodrow wilson in 1914 guess what he did he proclaims mother's day which should have been proclaimed 45,000 years ago ain't that the truth because I mean, where would we be without mothers? Well, for starters, we would not be here. Bang, Joe. That's where I was going with that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not not great with science, but I'm pretty sure that's how that but works. I understand. <laughs> I know a thing or two. Yeah. I know a thing or two about a thing or two. Literally only a thing or two, though. But a thing or two. Did you see the rally squirrels back? Did you see this in baseball news? No. So it was in, let's see what game. I'm, it was the Cardinals and Tigers. The, there was like okay. a squirrel that came on. I, th- I think this happened back in 2011. We'll throw the video on the YouTube for anyone watching. But happened back in 2011 where a squirrel ran on the field and they had to stop the game. And I guess they ended up coming back. And I think maybe again 2018. But it's back again after a five-year hiatus. He might be back. A road squirrel. <laughs> so it's just running around. The- <laughs> How does the squirrel get on a baseball field? The rally squirrel, man. Yeah. What year was that? 2011. That's what I yeah, thought. but think about it. There's no trees. Yeah, but it can climb up the building. No way. The squirrel's back. You gotta love it. You think it can climb up the whole building? Yeah, it can climb up a whole tree. No way. Yeah. I love squirrels. In other news, though, in baseball, did you see in this was a Tennessee high school game? They were in the playoffs. The kid threw a 16 strikeout no hitter and went one pitch over the pitch count. So he threw 121 pitches and they disqualified the team. They they had to count as a loss. Hold on. We didn't have pitch counts in high school. They I think it's a state based thing. But in Tennessee, and it could have changed since, since we played, but in Tennessee, they have a pitch count at 120 pitches, and he threw 121. So, I mean, this is high school. The assistant coach or catcher or someone's just like has the pitch count clock, and yeah, they didn't build in any coach. variance to it. Like, you can just click that accidentally once or like forget one pitch. 
and they got disqualified because of it. What an absolute... Okay, first of all, apparently incredible performance by the pitcher. Yeah. But if I'm the head coach of that team, like that's an assistant coach's job, right? Or like a volunteer or someone just to... We did in high school. like We had like a volunteer just keep track of the... It was like one of our assistant coaches. Keep track of the pitch count. And you mess that up and you're disqualified and you know that? Oh... Okay, but but listen to this part though. So it says Ensworth's baseball team ended Thursday when the Tigers were required to forfeit a tournament elimination game after it was determined the Tigers pitcher uh, and Vandy commitment Connor Cobb exceeded the TSSAA mandated pitch count. So, and then it goes on. This is what's interesting to me. It said sometime afterward, it was discovered that Cobb, a junior, had thrown 121 pitches, one more than the maximum. So were they looking at like, I mean, it, so it's not in the moment. Could have even just been an error afterwards. Like someone could have kept their, the book wrong. Yeah, but how do you even get close to that? Like, just cut, cut them off around 115. Well, I mean, if it's an elimination game, what if it's like two to one and your pitcher's like on fire? And yeah, I understand. But like, if I was a high school coach, I don't think I would have realized that they would for one pitch actually pulled you for it or like what if it's the middle of an at-bat you know what i mean like yeah, what if you were planning on stopping about 115 but you think that like if it's a rounding error or you had just kept the the pitch count wrong and he's at 119 because i mean it's not crazy to miss two pitches in a high wow. school game you know what i mean that sucks for that team though what a way to to end your year how mad would you i mean on one hand you have a story for for ages you're telling that when you're like 50 and work and I'd be so else. pissed. Can you imagine like the seniors? That's what, that's the way they lose. That's, on a yeah. pitch count. This is the way that your high school, you maybe could have won state. Who knows? Absolutely but not. the game that you won because you're some like regulatory rule that you threw one extra pitch. Absolutely not. That's garbage. I, I hate not. that so much. Yeah. That pisses me off. So that was some other baseball news. What are you a Phillies or Red Sox or where are you now? Um, fandom wise uh i am a big tampa bay rays guy oh the braves are starting to catch up only four games behind the Rays. no nah, no nah. i am uh i'm traditionally a phillies guy uh yeah. well traditionally a nats guy originally a nats guy originally a braves guy transition to the nats now i'm with the phillies bryce harper's about to come back though which is a one if he hadn't already come back and I'm telling you what, man, are you following any of these like NBA and NHL playoffs? Um, a little bit, not a ton. One of the things that I'll say that shocks me, right? Yeah. Because I'm a big Boston Bruins guy. Boston Bruins lose the Florida Panthers. Game seven. Yep. The Florida Panthers are beating the Maple Leafs 3-0. Mm -hmm. They weren't even supposed to be in the playoffs. And now they're beating the Maple Leafs, Maple Leafs three now. You can't say they weren't even supposed to be. That's the way that like any sport. Look at the Phillies and in, in the world. Yeah, but they only year. got in because I forgot what team. Some team lost two out of their last three games, and that what I'm allowed. Saying, yeah, but that's the way that any sport works. Like some team loses. It's not like you weren't. Okay, let me to rephrase that. You know what I mean? They, they barely, weren't dumb. They, they barely squeaked in. Barely but dude, that happens. Got in. That happens a lot. That's what I'm saying. Like the Phillies, they were the third team in the NL East and went on to the uh, World Series. Because mm -hmm. it's just like but you get hot. Because, but 
yeah, the, they haven't won it yet either. But like, so if you get hot at the end of the year and then another team loses, it makes sense that you you beat the the league leading Boston Bruins. Yeah. But I tell you what, you they, know what I mean. I, I hope they lose their next four games. But <laughs> and the Hurricanes. I thought you were. I thought you said you're a fan. No, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm on the Hurricanes okay. now. My that's Hurricanes are up two one. Yeah, against the go. Devils. Against Martin Brodeur's Devils. Canes <laughs> are gonna win it all, dude. I'm calling it. Uh, then you got the Stars beating the Crack, or sorry, the Kraken beating the Stars two one, and they just won on Sunday, dude. They won seven two. Disgusting. That's wild. Disgusting, right? I don't even win my NHL games like that on PS4. <laughs> and then you have the Knights Oilers tied one one. They play tonight, as of Monday night. They play. Interesting. Then so I'm, hey, I'm following it a little bit more than I ever have. I hope the Panthers lose. You know, they beat my hey, Bruins. So can, can we say that we're a Canes podcast now? Yeah. For the rest of okay, there we go. Yeah. I'm like, you're like what? An hour and a half? You grew up an hour and a half from Raleigh. This podcast you... is brought to you by Raising Canes. Oh, Raising Canes. I was going to go with the uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, but you know what? Either, either way, then with Theo Vaughn does his podcast. He's sponsored by Raising Canes, and just the way he like reads the ad. He's like, mm, give me some of that chicken, boy. Dude, I love canes. I also love that they're like, we just have chicken tenders. You want them on a sandwich? You want them on the side? Like, we're not good at making this. This is yeah, just what you're what? getting. Love the canes. NBA playoffs are pretty. I mean, so right now, Miami's up two to one on the Knicks. And then LA, which is your team. I can't believe they're up two one. Two one. Uh, and then this is Monday, so they're playing tonight. Could be two to two, which both of the other series are with the 76ers, the Celtics, Suns. That was a great game, too. The 76ers, Celtics when they won. Yeah, James Harden's hot again. Saw that. Yeah. He put up like 40. Yeah, I'm a big 76ers guy. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. So I don't know if you watched the Wells Fargo championship at all. Only like a couple minutes of it. I love watching the back nine on Sundays. And my boy, Wyndham Clark, took it away. I mean, he showed the resiliency on that guy, the goal, on that man. First PGA Tour win. He was playing with Xander Shoffley, who's won a few times the PGA Tour, mm -hmm. has been around the block, as they say. Didn't matter. Wyndham Clark, first PGA Tour win, Wells Fargo. And I'm just going to say one thing. I've been to Quail Hollow in Charlotte. Yeah. And what a cool experience. I mean, you go in the gates and there's just like billionaire homes, multi-million dollar homes. And then the course is beautiful in and of itself. I have a video of Bubba Watson at that course taking three wood out of the woods and hitting dead center of the tree. I mean, just dead center. It almost ricocheted That's back and hit style. me. That's my yeah. style right there. I never thought I was that similar to Bubba Watson before right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, shout out Wyndham. That's cool. Uh, I guess it's time for some Iceman. Oh, Iceman. So, let's see what you got for us. What's up, everyone? This week's unsung hero is the LA Dodgers organization. The LA Dodgers have re-signed Andrew Tolles, an outfielder formerly from the University of Tennessee who hasn't played for the team since 2018. Mm. They didn't re-sign him to a baseball contract, though. They just signed him to one with the organization because starting in 2019, Andrew Tolles was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. And due to these mental health issues, he needed health insurance coverage. And the Dodgers said, hey, this is bigger than baseball. Let's step in and do what we can do to help him. 
And so the Dodgers have re-signed him to this one-year contract with the organization so that he can have health insurance coverage. This is a cool move by the Dodgers who understand that in the world we live in today, mental health is not something that you have to be quiet about. It's not something that you have to be silent about your struggles in. And they know that part of that journey is having people beside you to walk through it. So if you or anyone else is struggling with mental health issues, reach out to a friend, reach out to a family member, heck, reach out to my DMs and I will be happy to uh, walk through these journeys with you. Here's to you, the LA Dodgers. You get it. You're this week's unsung hero. Nice. Yeah, that's really cool. Iceman with, yeah, I, I, I love that. I feel like mental health is something that's talked more about than when we were growing up. I think there's still oh, a long, 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 long way to go. But uh, I think one, it's cool by the Dodgers. And for the, the fact that the Red Sox fan is shouting out the Dodgers, it's probably second to maybe only the Yankees. The amount of, of distaste that he has towards the Dodgers organization. Oh, yeah. And so that's how you know that the Dodgers are doing something worth celebrating if Iceman's giving them a shout out right now. So Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, you're exactly right though. I mean, in the last 10 years, just the conversations around mental health has been vastly different. I mean, can, I mean, yeah. when we were like 15, when we, we were in high school compared to now, just completely different yeah. conversations. And again, like I said, hopefully there's, there's a lot more to go. And so stuff like this, the more we talk about it, um, I don't know. I'm hopeful for that's cool though. The way Thanks, it Iceman. Always years. enjoy it, yeah. brother. Always enjoy it. What's Iceman so, going to come to Richmond? Never know. Maybe we'll see. Whenever Iceman makes it on the pod, who knows? Should we book him a plane ticket? Might have to. A one through twelve. Yeah. Is that Southwest <laughs> top ones? Yeah. Um. Well, time for Florida man, and in our new new structure, you are now one to know. Uh, or you have one win. I have zero wins. Awesome. Another way of saying that. I'm going to say in as many ways possible. I don't zero. have a win. I don't have a win. You have a win. I haven't won yet, but you have won. One for zero. And uh, because of that, I have to to create the Florida man for you. So enough delaying. Let's, I can't. Same thing, right? One's true, can't. one's false. One's true, one's false. Okay. I can't delay the inevitable anymore. So okay. is what it is. All right. Story number one, a Florida man was driving recklessly on a busy freeway during rush hour traffic. When several cars honked at him, the man suddenly stopped his car in the middle of the freeway and climbed onto the roof of his car. He started dancing and singing loudly, causing a major traffic jam. Police arrived and asked the man to climb down. After a few minutes of negotiation, the man finally came down from the roof of his car, but he continued to dance and sing loudly. The police questioned him about his behavior, and he told them that he had been feeling stress and wanted to blow off some steam. Mm, we've all what been there. Do it. What a way to do it. We've all been there. Story number two. A Florida man was seen driving recklessly on the highway in Florida. He was going 100 miles an hour and then slowed down a bit and climbed out of his sunroof and sat on his car's sunroof driving at high speeds. The police then caught up with the man and asked him about the incident. At first, he denied sitting on the sunroof, but eventually admitted to it, saying he'd rather go to jail than back home to his wife. Holy smokes. Woo! I have not been there. <laughs> wow. So. Number one's true. Ah, you hey, number two is true, and we're tied up. One to one. Wow. I've, my gut said one because you went to a Taylor Swift concert. 
Good job. So you man. thought that I would have made up one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I thought you tried to Wait. reverse psychology me. Oh, but I didn't. I regular psychology do. Wow. Nice. Good job, man. Oh, thanks. It feels good, guys. I uh, first want to thank, thank, thank God, first of all, for this win. Also, my family for supporting me through these tough times. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone who stood by me as I lost time and time and time and time and time mm -hmm. and time and time again. Mm -hmm. uh, we're back. You deserve it, man. You've worked hard. <laughs> Great, great. Thanks for giving to charity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Growth mindsets. So this is awful. I don't even remember mine from last week. So that's how poorly I've done this. It was two weeks ago, right? Or did we do one last week? No, last we did one last week. Last week. I remember the last was... one I did was the daily wins. And I'm going to stick with it because yeah. it's worked out decent. I'd say like not great, but pretty well. Hmm. Just because... Just like having a foundation for the day has been yeah. helpful. That's so cool. I'm gonna say I'm gonna see I'm gonna I'm going to keep trying with these daily wins. We won three out of five days last week. So hopefully we can win all five. And that includes two business related tasks, one workout at least ten minutes, and at least open the Bible and read a verse. Nice. I remember mine, it was trying to think, uh, like plan out in the summer to kind of create somewhat of a firewall stopgap. And so figuring out like how I can create structures that make it better at that point, instead of trying to make a week or two weeks from now better looking out in the future yeah. that has kind of gotten derailed. I, I think I told you off air, but I broke my laptop. First of all, I like, that sucks. I, I had, I have used these hard drives to record everything. And I like had it plugged in, I guess, and then it closed the laptop on it, but like it wasn't hard or anything. And so I didn't even think anything of it, opened it up a couple hours later and it was cracked and the screen wasn't working at all. That's So I've been trying to figure that out, then just like scrambling with a few different things, but I am re-inspired by it this morning at the gym. I, uh, <laughs> it sounds weird, but I feel like you're just like hanging out with random people in the sauna at <laughs> that day to work out and to have like fun conversations. And so I was talking to this guy, I just met him today and he, uh, is self-employed also has got a real estate company and he was talking about like what he's been doing, virtual assistants and things like that. And so I was getting mm. inspired again. So we'll see, I'm going to stick to it, persevere and, and keep at this until, till things change. You really should get a virtual assistant. Yeah. It's one of those things that, and this is why I'm setting it as my growth mindset, where for one of those situations to get better, you just have to set aside some time to like plan it well. And so it's kind of, it has to get a little bit worse before it gets better because it takes the discipline to plan it out. And I just have been in tread water mode. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to switch over, but I'm going to stick at it. So keep, keep me Bubble. accountable with it. There you go. Then, I like it. Yeah. And There's I think that's conversations that get you mm. every time. Dude, I love them. I love them. Most of the time. Sometimes I'm like, put headphones in, don't talk to me. Right. And then sometimes I want to talk to people. So you never know. For me, the sauna, but, I don't want to talk to anyone. You're just like trying to stop. I did. Okay. I stayed in the sauna probably five minutes too long today. And I'm not the type of person who generally like wants to throw up after workouts or anything. But I walked out of the gym before I got to the road. So like I'm on the sidewalk. I had to like sit down for a second or not sit down, but like uh, crouch down, arms on the knees like this. I'm like, okay, nope, I'm good. And I walked to my car, did it again for a minute. I'm like, okay, before I drive anywhere, I need to sit here for like 10 minutes and let my body get like normal and regulated again. Oh, <laughs> so I gosh. Did that. 
it was uh yeah probably not ideal but this is what it is yeah that's probably not good yeah we're alive you live you learn and on that note it's time to jump into the conversation with Derek. so enjoy boom enjoy baby um i'm just excited for this conversation and thank you for for spending the time with us yeah no appreciate the opportunity and to be here to help you know answer some of those questions and Hopefully folks can listen and, and kind of get a better understanding of how it works, how it's evolved. We're learning more and more day by day. So it's it's good to be here and, um, you know, help answer some of those questions. When did the process kind of rolling out for schools start for NIL? Because I feel like it was something that had to have happened pretty fast from y'all's end. Yeah, I would say probably. So it it went live July 1st, uh-huh. uh, 2021. Um, and I think probably... The fall before that, people, you know, it was kind of on people's radars. Like, hey, this this case is really starting to get some momentum, and you know, if it's you know, if if they win the case, then there's really not you know much the NCAA is going to be able to do to prevent NIL from happening. Um, and so, you know, people kind of started talking about it. But then the spring of 2021, that's when people are like, all right, this is this is starting to get real. Um, we need to start talking about, you know, what we're going to do. And the biggest problem I think is like people didn't know what to do. It was such a new concept, which was exactly the opposite of what the NCAA founded their organization on was amateurism. Um, and so I think, you know, administration, coaches, athletes, they were, you know, they were conditioned, you know, to be like, you know, benefits bad, you know, so um, it's just, it was just, I had a complete change of mindset for everybody, how you looked at any situation. Um, you know, if, if you were trying to help out a student athlete, you're not, you know, you're, you're trying to help them sponsor a restaurant in town to, to get free meals. And you're trying to help them do all these things that you, before where you were telling them at the beginning of every year, all the meetings that, you know, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. And then yeah. now it's, you know, go for it, a free for all. And because it was just such a new space, such a new approach to college athletics, I mean, everybody was just kind of learning as they go. And, um, and there was a lot of reservation and hesitation at first, because like I said, just everybody was conditioned to do the opposite of that. And then here we are, it was wide open. And I was certainly probably the big, it was absolutely the biggest adjustment I think college athletic departments have had to make um, in, in recent history. So. That's got to be crazy with what seemed almost like you're saying it's a court case or a flip of a switch. Now you've got to flip all of mm-hmm. most of what you're about in a lot of ways with the compliance, which mm-hmm. I want to take a step back. So now you are currently your senior associate athletic director of compliance, right? At Virginia Tech. Uh-huh. That's right. So how did you get here? I looked up a little bit and saw you, I guess, at Marshall before and love to hear a little bit of your story. Yeah, it's a funny story. Um, so I went to Marshall University. I had a kind of a background in music, musical family, those types of things. They offered mm. me a scholarship to do um, some to do vocal performance at Marshall. So that's that was my focus as an undergrad. I always played sports, loved sports, was always a big fan. Um, and so when I went to Marshall, graduated in four years, and I'm sitting there with a music degree. I was like, okay, so uh, what am I going to do now? So it's like, what, what does this mean for me in the future? But I had a high school uh, buddy of mine that worked in the athletic department in the ticket office as a graduate assistant. And he kind of explained to me how that that worked and that you can get your tuition paid for if you work so many hours a week and that. So 
I just went around the department, um, spoke to some associate ADs there, and there was an opening in compliance. And he was like, yeah, would, would love to have you. And so I just started working. I uh, got my MBA while I was a GA, was there for two years. And so by the time I had my MBA, I had two years of compliance experience, which led to my first job at Ohio University. Um, okay. So that would have been, I would have started in 2005, which is right after uh, Frank Solich was hired as the new head coach there. My first uh, football game was uh, Pitt at Ohio University, where oh, they, yes. they it was a big upset. Ohio actually beat them in overtime with a pick six, which was incredibly exciting. Electric. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was incredible. Athens is a great college town, great university. Obviously, they're you know renowned for their sport management uh, master's program, um, but it was there for a little less than two years. Uh, and then got the opportunity to come back to Marshall as the associate AD. Started there in 2007. Um, oversaw the compliance office there for about seven years, and then came back and then came to Virginia Tech in 2013 as assistant AD. And um, been fortunate to have have worked my way up since then to to lead the office here now. So glad to be back. It's a little closer to home for me too. It's a little over an hour away, so that's nice to be close to my folks and family and and work at a, a great institution like Virginia Tech. That's cool. Where'd you, did you grow up a fan of any school? Um, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. Ge- like, so geographically where I was, you know, I'm not close to Morgantown. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, I'm two and a half hours away from Marshall. Um, I was actually closest to Virginia Tech growing up. So, I mean, I would follow games and things like that. Um, same with pro sports. Geographically, you're not really close to anybody. So I was a fan of all of it. I just love right. the... I love the drama. I love the all that that came along with, you know, who was good this year, who's going where, who's playing well, who's play, not playing well. And then loved it. I just I always had my preference was always college athletics. I okay. think I enjoyed because I think there's there's more passion to it. There's, you know, you're 100%. playing for something more than, you know, uh, you're playing for your school. Just like, you know, I could appreciate that because we would represent our high school playing that. So kind of a connection there, I guess. But uh, my dad and I, we came to uh, football games uh, when I was younger. Probably we'd try to come to one or two, maybe a year. So I kind of had an affinity for Virginia Tech growing up. And then as I got older, um, started to lean towards Marshall a little bit. You know, they okay. had Huntington, they had Moss, and they had some of those guys. They were obviously very fun to watch. And, <laughs> um, so that was cool, kind of pulled from them. Um they might have had a WVU phase in there somewhere, but that was probably because that's who my you know dad be yeah. from that state. Dad was a WVU fan, uh, still is, and uh, but um, didn't end up going that direction. Now they're one of the they're on the top of the rival list now. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> graduating from Marshall <laughs> and now working at Virginia Tech. So, mm. but still have some good friends with the WVU. We always have fun with it. Um, yeah, that. that's awesome. That's cool. So you were in you were in the position, the director of compliance position, when the NIL rolled out in 2021 at T- Virginia Tech, right? Yep, that's right. W- would you say you guys were kind of some of the first adopters, or were, were like were there early adopters in the NIL game, or was it kind of when the floodgates opened July 1st? Boom, there it was. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say we were one of the first adapters. I think we. We didn't want to put ourselves in a position where we couldn't control it, manage it, and do those types of things. So 
we just kind of wanted to gauge the temperature at first. And a lot of things that you saw at the beginning, um, you know, making phone call, calls to colleagues and being on conference calls and things like that, some of those folks that grabbed the attention at the beginning, um, a lot of those were just kind of smoke and mirrors. They were mm. just trying to promote themselves for recruiting and saying, we're doing this, we're doing that. And while they might have been doing some things to an extent, they were really still trying to figure out their way as well. Yeah. So um, I, I think... I like the way we approached it because like I said, we didn't put our paint ourselves into a corner corner. We just like, all right, let's see the direction this is going. And then we will determine what it, what fits Virginia tech the best because, you know, it's, it's comparing apples and origins in a lot of ways because, you know, we're not a Miami, we're not a Georgia tech. We're, we're in a big area like that. We're more rural. So it's going to be, uh, we need to tailor NIL to what it means mm -hmm. for us here in Blacksburg. And uh, I think we did a nice job of kind of, um, waiting to to make our move and determine the best way to do it, and um, and I like the way it played out for us. Yeah, I would love to to come back and talk more about the differences between schools, but I'd love, I feel like right now to go to almost NIL one hundred and one, and then maybe if we can graduate to how it's all the compliance and NCAA stuff, and maybe one hundred and two. But uh, sure. would you mind sharing with us? I guess what is just the basic of NIL? Yeah, sure. So. Um, the NCAA has always been, like I said, founded on the principle of amateurism, which means you do not get paid to play your sport. Um, you do not get paid to, uh, for activity related to your sport, including any type of sponsorships, marketing promotions, those types of things. So that's why you never, before you, you, you never saw a, a college student athlete promoting, uh, Subway, promoting, uh, Dick Sporting Goods, right. promoting whatever, right? So because it was it, it was not allowed. They could only promote, you know, like for Virginia Tech, you can only promote Virginia Tech ticket sales beyond Virginia Tech schedules, anything related to your participation at your school, um, and you couldn't get paid for that either. That was all. That was really the only type of promotional activity you could see. And so when NIL launched uh, in 2021, it completely changed the game, it, wide open. So. Um, it allowed them to enter into agreements with companies, businesses, uh, to promote products, services, um, those types of things, do uh, autograph sessions and get paid per autograph to, to be able to host a camp in your hometown and get paid for that um, and those types of things. So they could really, they could, anything that was tied to their name, image, or likeness, and they could get paid for it, they could, whereas before, they couldn't. And I think at, at the beginning, the biggest change and the, the most activity you saw at the beginning was social media. Um, just and that's still probably the most popular way to do it because it's just so simple. Right. You just you retweet a business's posts or, um, you know, quote, tweet something, make a comment, do this or that. And so you see a lot of that. They'll just um, get on there and, and post about certain products and companies. And then that business will, will pay them uh, to do that, which has been um, you know, really, uh, really good for our athletes. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything Derek, you would say that that is a common misconception? Like this is not an approved NIL related activity. Do you guys deal with that a lot? Um, not a whole lot. The, I mean, the, the only, you know, there's not many restrictions. Um, you know, the, the Virginia state law, which is very similar to NCAA's guidelines, you know, you can't promote like casinos, firearms, gotcha. drugs, alcohol, those types of things. 
that that's really the only restriction. I would say as far as a, as far as misconceptions, um, I would say that, like I said before, there are a lot of things that you might see in the media or read on on Twitter, things like that about, you know, this quarterback went here for this amount or this uh, running back, you know, was signed to a deal and then dropped him because it wasn't as much as he thought it was supposed to be and things like that. Um, I wouldn't believe all that hype. And, I, you know, there's only a select few um, amount of athletes that are going to attract those six, seven digit figure deals mm-hmm. just because you have, you know, that select group of folks who who deserve it. I mean, they have that market value, like a Archie Manning or a, right. or, you know, like uh forget Deion Sanders' son or whatever, but those like high profile players, they will attract those amounts, but that is like the 1%, the top 1% of kids. It's not like that across the board. And just because you see those numbers in some of those places, um, that's that the, the norm is much lower than that, but it's still incredibly helpful for those students who are very active and are interested um, in it. So um, that that would be one misconception that I that, that stands out to me. So along those lines, with the Archie Manning deals or like the quarterbacks you hear, if you come to Tennessee, they're going to get two million over the next three seasons or whatever. How? One, it seems like maybe some of it is smoke and mirrors, but how does that work with NIL where it's almost structured or it seems from the outside like a contract to come mm-hmm. to a school to play versus just earning in their name, image, and likeness? Yeah, in a lot of ways it is. I mean, any deal of that size, there will be, I'm sure, some sort of contract or agreement along with it. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where my office comes in, especially any anything that would approach you know, a larger amount that approaches a six digit amount, you know, we're going to be um, somewhat involved to just to make sure that, you know, the amount that you are receiving, you are in exchange performing work or doing what you're supposed to do in order to earn that income. Um, Because it shouldn't be a situation where, yeah, we're going to sign you, you're going to, you're going to be the spokesperson for this local car dealership. They cut them a check and then you never see them again. Right. Cause that, mm-hmm. that becomes the pay for play. They're not actually performing the work that's expected of them. And is, so there, there is always still going to be that expectation. And that's kind of the role that we play to, to ensure that those things are happening. We're very fortunate that our collective, our, our main collective triumph, you know, they've signed, you know, dozens of our student athletes and are seeking seeking out opportunities for them and trying to find ways to help uh, them in the NIL space. And they're doing a phenomenal job of, of, of tracking the activities that, that they're engaged in, whether it's personal appearances, autograph signings, social media posts, like they have mm-hmm. charts and, and, and logs and, and all that, that they are, you know, that they check off every time a student athlete, you know, performs something or, or executes a deliverable, as we say, um, and that's, that's been, that makes my job easier when they do those things to, to help make sure that those things are happening. Could they receive any, to kind of piggyback off that with like the exchange of goods or services, can they still receive money even if they're quote unquote like insured or like red shirting or that type of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that wouldn't impact the NIL at all. Um, you know, whatever their status is on the team and that actually is more defensible, right? If it's, Mm -hmm. it it doesn't matter what your status is on the team. If you have market value and you're making NIL 
earnings, you know, it, it, it shouldn't matter what um, your, what your roster status is. Like gotcha. you just have that market value and therefore you are participating in these types of activities. Yeah. So then graduating, I guess, to NIL, like 102 or whatever, if you, this, it seems like a thin veil almost between like the pay to play versus deliverables. How, from a compliance standpoint, how is that regulated? Because I mean, if Christian's got more of that market value, then he can make one appearance for a million dollars, but really that million dollars is because what he's doing on the field and I can do 10 appearances for 10 K. Yeah. And I think it, at the beginning, I think that was like, that was one of the main concerns, right? Mm -hmm. Is, is, is your value really what you're getting paid for mm -hmm. is the amount of work you're putting in. Does that really amount to the amounts of money that you are receiving? And, and that was a, that was a big challenge is because how do you even determine what that market value is for, you know, hundreds of student athletes at your institution? Now there's some websites out there that, that have metrics and things like that, that they kind of present um, what a number might look like for each student athlete based on their social media following, based on their popularity in their sport and, you know, several factors and where they come up with a number. Um, but still it's like, what, what it, it's, it's, you know, what really is market value? And I think the NCAA kind of recognized that early on is like, we have no, we, we can't set market value for these kids. So they, they started, they kind of stepped away from that a little bit mm. as far as market value. So it's, it's, it's somewhat flexible. And I think it just becomes a comfort level for a compliance mm. office, right? So it's, you know, $1 million to make one social media post for any of our athletes. That's, that's a red flag, right? Mm -hmm. So that's something if, if we ever came across something like that, you know, we would approach the folks that were, you know, that, um, the, the the company business or individual that was in an nil deal with one of our student athletes of that amount and if we didn't feel like they were doing enough we would just sit down and have a conversation like you're going to get paid regardless we just need to see you do some more activity mm -hmm. here to justify what you're making and then just try to get to a comfort level which is admittedly it's it's a pretty wide um mm -hmm. comfort level there for the for for market value and whatnot that's that's really interesting do you think that because it's still so new forecasting three, four five years out from now, do you think it'll still be all comfort level kind of gray area? Or do you see a lot of moving to, I don't know, more policies or. Yeah, that's a great question. It, and I don't know if I could mm -hmm. really give a clear projection or prediction of how that's going to play out. Um, I would imagine it would have to be, you know, some sort of, I think, you know, it's just basic economics. I think eventually supply and demand and all those types of things, you know, all uh, you know, professional athletes, it would work out the same, you know, your value is this, right. Mm -hmm. you know, based on what the agent can come up with and what the company's comfortable with paying and those types of things. I think the longer it goes and the dust settles a little bit, I think you're going to see, you know, things be more reasonable because, these high amounts, these very big amounts, that's not sustainable. Like it mm -hmm. eventually, you know, the wells are going to run dry at some point. And so I think, I think organically it'll just kind of take care of itself. But I mean, you would hopefully, but, right. but I think, I think probably over the next three years, you're probably going to, it's probably going to be a mostly a comfort level thing, similar to how I explained 
hopefully there would be some sort of um, target that, you know, maybe we could somehow formulate, but comfort level is probably the, the near future. Um, gotcha. One of the things that I'm personally really curious about is I feel like we talk a lot about like these huge NIL deals and obviously you guys are a pretty major school in the ACC, but like, and maybe it's not the right question to ask. So if not, maybe I'll ask a different way, but what percentage of student athletes receive some sort of NIL deals or money? Or is there a lot of people maybe receiving a lot of student athletes receiving a thousand bucks a year, 5,000 bucks a year? Um, because I just, I feel like a lot of people go, Oh, I'm going to a big school. Now I'm going to get some money where it's like, well, I don't really think that's true. Yeah. Well, wow, that's a great question. The The variety of NIL activity right now is, I mean, it's all over the place because, you know, people get new ideas and they come up with all sorts of different methods to, to take advantage of it. So you're talking about doing cameos. You're talking about the social media. You're talking about personal appearances. You're talking about these like ad campaigns for, for businesses. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you may have heard uh, Liz Kitley doing commercials. Um, so it's, there's a wide spectrum of things that they're involved in. The, I would say if I had to guess, I'd have to go back and look, but I would probably say close to 250, maybe 300 of our student athletes have engaged in NIL in some way, which is mm. approaching about half of our student athletes. Mm. Gotcha. Some aren't interested, you know, some just, you know, it's something else that takes up my time. It's not worth it, but I would say that probably about half, most of it is, you know, they've, they've, we have a platform where a business registers, it gives them access to all of our student athletes and they can reach out to whoever they want to promote their product. Um, we've seen a lot of that. So you'll see, and it's either for cash or it is for free product. Um, I don't know how many of our student athletes, but it's a lot that get free routes about every day. For oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I'd take that. Yeah. I would take that a hundred percent. Give me a Celsius and a free routes lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you see you see a lot of that, and they just they go to lunch, they post their meal, say go to Roots, and then they that meal's on the house. So it ranges from that all the way up to, um, uh, you know, some of them they'll get you know thousand dollars a month, some of them get more than that a month, um, just depending on you know what business they're in, what their market value is, and uh, I would say, I would say I would say probably seventy five percent of NIL at Virginia Tech is 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 opportunities that they have found independently. Okay. You know, they didn't use a collective or anything like that. It's just happened oh, through that Hokies Exchange. But a lot of it's that smaller stuff, right? It's Mission mm-hmm. Barbecue. It's Roots. Yep. It's it's uh, Liquid IV. It's, um, you know, Swim Goggles. It's, you know, products specifically related to their sport or it's hydration or it's food mm-hmm. and those types of things. There is there is a whole lot of that. Um, and, uh, but then you it's smaller percentages, you know, the more, the higher the amounts get, but there's, right. a, there are some kids that know how to work this space and they know how to, they're learning how to market themselves, brand themselves. And all that does is, is create more opportunity for themselves. So. And so, yeah. another cool positive of that is it's, those are great real world skills to have like growing up right now, like learning how to create value from your network, from who, you know, from, mm-hmm all of these yeah. resources from podcasting. 
<laughs> that's right yeah there's definitely been a lot of that you got what queens of castle so those that's grown in popularity now yep. especially with their run through the final four and um yeah, yeah i mean you'll see i know tech sidelines been involved uh with with hosting some student athletes on podcasts things like that it's, so that's that's a very popular um nil yeah uh, opportunity yeah i feel like it had that's why I kind of want to reword the question because I feel like it's probably a decent amount of student athletes, but it's probably like minuscule amounts where it's like, you know, hundred bucks here, hundred bucks there. Um, and so have you seen, and you don't have to say like exact numbers or anything, but have you seen anyone from Virginia tech reach that seven figure is the biggest one kind of six figures. Is there any specific one that like stands out to you? Yeah. Uh, we, no seven figures, but we do have some that are in the six figures. Um, so we have we have seen some of that, and and what is being asked of them is extensive. We've seen the expectations because a lot of those do come, like I said, with those contracts. Because right. it, a lot of these, you know, this is an investment, especially if it's a business that's doing this. It is an investment, and that's going to be a, a marketing tool for them. And they they do have an expectation. Um, that's, but you know, but then they see the value in, in some of our student athletes, and so that's they um, they enter into those agreements, and that's great, great for the student athletes. I mean, if you can, if you can get that bag, get it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so yeah, we we do have some kids that have been um, very successful, and they are in in, in the six digits. I, I honestly don't know the number of student athletes. Sure. Um, but yeah, that we do have some and it, you know, that's only going to, there's only going to be more as time goes along. Yeah. Mm. Has, has there been any, like, like, I guess, aside from money, anything crazy that you've seen, like a new what? car, <laughs> like, you know, are you guys just like partnering with car dealerships and giving all these people cars or all these kids cars or like maybe like royalties or I don't know, sorry, like some outside the box or extreme example, you're like. I can't believe they just gave a Mercedes Benz. Or <laughs> yeah, um, there have been, um, and I think Triumph is leading uh, the charge on some of this. But there, you know, there are discussions about providing student athletes with cars in exchange for for NIL, um, free housing, you know, uh, advertising for uh, certain properties and things like that. You know, you just same thing. You know, we'll give you um six months free lease if you uh do nil so yes there are some sig and if like we're talking a much bigger scale than just a free lunch right but it's right. the it's the same concept just much bigger and that's going to be your student athletes that have that draw get the you know get more sets of eyes and things like that they are receiving goods of of the of that value mm -hmm. um and again it's I, I don't know the exact number but it's it is happening yeah that's cool. Cars, so, and, cars and housing, yeah. Cars and housing. I wish I was more athletic. Yeah, me too. I wish I was, I wish I was eight years younger yeah. and more athletic. But yeah. <laughs> so on the recruiting stand front, stand, whatever the word is, uh, you're not supposed to use NIL as a recruiting technique, right? Is that correct? That's right. So, but also we know that high schoolers are probably thinking about NIL and so I'm guessing mm -hmm. like platforms, like you're saying that, that VT has or other schools are a selling point, even if they aren't a selling point. And I'm just curious, 
this feels like another large gray area of NIL with the whole recruiting standpoint. I would just love to hear your perspective on all of that. Yeah. So from the time that it launched until now, um, certainly what you're focused on, what your concerns on have shifted, but that is probably the leading concern today, right? Mm -hmm. That is, um, I think that's what our coaches are um, most concerned about as well, because the restriction is you cannot um, you, you you cannot offer NIL to anyone in the transfer portal or anyone in high school mm. to come play for your school or enroll at your school. Um, but again, you know, five years ago, you weren't supposed to pay players, but that was still happening. You know, there were schools that, you know, were paying kids under the table and those types of things to get them enrolled. So there's always going to be probably, you know, someone that, that crosses the line to get the kid that they want. Um, NIL is just a different way to do it. And, you know, we've, we, we talk regularly with um, our, our collectives and anyone involved with our, our collectives about that. And we are, there's, a very particular conversation you have to have because you're right. If when we're recruiting a student at, or a, a prospect, that's one of the first questions they or their parents ask, like, mm -hmm. what do you guys do with NIL? What is your NIL? And I have to say like triumph has done an incredible job of building their platform and building their, I don't know if you visited their, their website recently, um, but it's impressive um, what they do. And so we can direct them to that and you can, that's real examples of what kids are doing. Um, we can speak in generalities. We can say, yeah, so we have Triumph. These are some of the deals that they've done for our athletes in the past. Um, we just can't, our coaches or staff, we just can't say, if you come to Virginia Tech, you're going to make $100,000 in year mm -hmm. one. You can't get into those specific types of conversations, um, which which makes it, it's kind of frustrating. I know a lot of times because people are doing it anyway, and we know that. Mm -hmm. nature of this industry <clears throat> there's a lot of things that happen that way that are that are frustrating you just can't control but it's one of the things i love about working here is they the, the people that work here start from the top they are intentional about trying to do things the right way okay nil is new brand new to everybody we're still figuring out so mistakes are going to be made as you go along but it's not the type of mistakes that are intentional or egregious or you know trying to cross a line that you know you're not supposed to um, so we work really well with our collectives and educating them on when they can do what our, in our educator coaches and what they can do. And so now after we have our general conversation with a, with a recruit and their parents and we say, this is what we've done, this is what our vision is and things like that. If they want specific detailed information about themselves and what NIL looks like for them, they do have the ability to contact a collective themselves. Okay. They have to initiate that contact. That's an important rule too. So with the AA came out um, at some point last year with some updated guidance, and because collectives, what nobody knew collectives was going to happen in 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 2021, mm -hmm. but it, as it started to catch on and all these schools started seeing collectives form, this AA was like, all right, we need to have some guidelines to kind of control this group here. So essentially, what they did, they said a collective, the same rules apply to collective as they would a donor, right? So so just like a a booster or a donor's involvement in the recruiting process is the exactly the same for a collective now. So okay. in, 
historically, if a um, student, if a prospect had questions about a university or wanted to contact a booster, if they called the booster themselves, that was fine. Same mm -hmm. with collecting. If a prospect and their families, if they initiate that contact, they can do that. And then that co collective can uh, have a conversation with them. But it's the same thing, right? They can't say, yeah, if you choose Virginia Tech, we're going to give you $100,000 in year one. That's still a restriction. And we just we hammer that home with collectives, just make sure that um, like you can have a real conversation about NIL and, and market value and those types of things. You just can't tie it to their enrollment or participation at Virginia Tech. OK, so that's an important part of it. Hmm. Yeah, some some stuff reminds me of like a, like a job negotiation. It's like, can I get four yeah. percent of my four hundred one k too? Yeah, yeah, but it's I mean it's yeah it's changed it, it's changed college athletics and absolutely changed the recruiting process because it is such a large element uh, of the conversation. What hmm. the kind of pig or to kind of piggyback off that is there because it's been I guess it's been. For about two years now, it's been in effect. Is there one surprise or is there a couple surprises? One for the good that you're like, oh, I didn't realize it was going to do this. That's a good surprise. And then one for the, I guess you could say negative or bad, however you want to phrase it, where it's like, oh, I didn't realize like this would be a, a negative effect or some kind of. Or it's even worse than I expected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have to be honest. There wasn't anything that really came as a surprise. Okay. So. I mean, we hear our coaches come to us and sometimes and they'll say, hey, just so you know, so-and-so on our team just got contacted by another school to, and they offered him an NIL deal to transfer and that person's not in the portal. So that school shouldn't even be contacting them to begin with. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that's something that we really don't like, but it's something that we completely expected. Like, it's not a surprise that that happened. Um, you know, I've in the past 15 or so years, especially your more high caliber, high recruited student athletes, they have handlers and um, handlers have always kind of been involved in those types of, of dealings and under the table mm -hmm. discussions and things like that. So that's always kind of been a part of the industry is, is the negotiating and the this and the that. And so to kind of see that at this, at this stage in the game where we do now have a transfer portal and NIL, hearing about kids getting contacted uh, in that way isn't surprising. Um, but, you know, hopefully eventually we can get to a point and I don't know if and when the federal government will get involved and have legislation to help incorporate some of those protections on a nationwide level. Um, that would be really helpful because it, it's really Div if even if you um, are found to have or or you're suspected of tampering and those types of things, it's another thing to to see that to the end where someone actually sees actual penalties um, for that type of uh, of interaction. And um, so that that's one thing that that wasn't a surprise, but I think that's one of the most important items that needs to be addressed at this point. I don't have the answer. Mm -hmm. But um, we do the best that we can to to make sure that what we provide for our student athletes is competitive um, with with other schools. Um, and then I think Virginia Tech sells itself too. like if once we get you on campus and you experience what it's like to be a student athlete here at Virginia Tech and then you add on, you know, the 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 type of NIL activity we were able to provide. We are very competitive across the board in that space. Um, 
and then so and then you said something that's good that we didn't expect yeah so maybe um, something good that's came from it that, that you were kind of surprised about i'll say one thing so there was a lot of discussion about like discourse in the locker room because one kid was you know one student athlete was getting this amount somebody else was getting this amount and they thought that would create like tension or in the locker room we haven't seen any of that it's been mostly supportive i think similar to you know uh one of your teammates getting drafted right they are cheering for them to have that success and i think that has been more the case uh maybe there has been some and but i haven't heard about it but from what I have actually seen, I think it's more supportive of one another about having those opportunities, getting those opportunities, um, which has been which has been great to see. Just that's cool. Know, just adding, you know, supporting one another, wanting them to have that success. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, one other, well, I guess two more questions I wanted to ask you, um, and sure. then we we mentioned earlier, but we're going to get into a draft of our least favorite schools or favorite schools to beat, if you will, <laughs> yeah. uh, which yeah. which should be fun, but kind of you're saying keeping up uh, like Virginia tech being competitive. We mentioned the disparity between athletes themselves. What's the disparity like on a macro level between sec, ACC, Alabama's, and then like you're mentioning even Georgia tech and Miami and these big city schools versus uh, more rural areas. I would say out outside of a handful of anomalies, it is probably, it's probably aligned with what you would expect based on that school. Okay. So if you, you look at an Alabama or an Ohio state, um, a USC, a Texas, like those schools are probably having the most success because, you know, they have those large passionate donor bases. Um, and then that just, it just goes down that tier of, of, of where they fit in that, where they traditionally have in those other areas. It's, it's probably very close to what you would expect okay. with NIL. Now you're going to have, you know, schools here or there that have that super booster that's really trying to take them to the top and put them over the edge. So you you will see some schools that have, uh, you know, um, increased their value in the NIL space because of those donor or two that that really have uh, invested themselves in, in being competitive NIL. Um, but I would say for the most part, it's, it's about what you expect. I, and again, and I know maybe I am biased. I probably am. Um, you know, it's my, I spend a lot of time looking at what other schools are doing and what their, how their collectives are designed, um, how they uh, are promoting themselves, what services they provide to their students. And if you, and I would tell anybody just go look at what you know other folks are doing, and then compare that to what you see uh, Triumph doing. And and again, I just think what they, how they've developed, and everything that they're doing right now for us is very impressive and incredibly competitive. And it's, um, it's put us in a good spot. That's awesome. Yeah. So then, last question, kind of piggybacking off of that, is that. What's next for Virginia Tech with it? You're ex- or what are you excited about? What's the main selling point moving forward? It sounds like Triumph is crushing it. And mm-hmm. um, is there anything else that you're really excited about in the next couple of years? Yeah, just to see where how, just to see how they develop over the past couple of years. They've, I mean, right now they are really focused on you know generating, um, uh, uh, generating income you know on a on a regular basis to help supplement some of the things they're doing, help supplement staff because they're 
right now they've got you know some interns and some folks that are working for for peanuts that around the clock to to get this machine uh going to where they're, they're pumping out content they're shooting video they're taking photographs they're meeting with players they're doing podcasts interviews creating exclusive content hmm. putting it behind a paywall um you know to give fans that that extra layer of a of, of fan experience for for a minimal cost right so there's things like that that they're focused on now to continue to generate that revenue to expand what they're doing because you're trying to, you know, the goal is to help as many student athletes as you can. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're looking, you know, you're talking 600 athletes of Virginia tech. Well, if they'll ever get to that number, it's, it's, you know, that'd be a very challenging to do, but they want to have an impact with as many kids as they can. And so that's what they're, they're trying to create that machine to help accommodate um, that amount um, that volume of, of NIL opportunity. And, um, they've got some good ideas. We've been in, we've had a lot of discussions with folks on how to, to brainstorm ideas of how to, you know, can help them continue to grow, expand and all those things. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to see, you know, how, where they end up. They've got a lot of folks working for them that are very passionate. They're very motivated. They are some of the most loyal Hokie supporters you'll find. Um, and that just, you know, that, that level of passion and, and, um, uh, commitment and, and desire to, to see us be successful, um, you know, have a lot of faith in what they will be able to do. And if they continue to grow that thing the way they want to, uh, it's really going to be a game changer for Mm -hmm. us in the long run. So excited to see them take off and and all that they're doing there. I'm excited as just a fan of college football seeing even like the content centers that different uh, schools or collectives, I guess are putting together and all the new ideas that are going to happen that we haven't even thought about yet, or maybe smarter people than me have thought about it and we'll we'll see soon. But on that note, talking about other schools, we do our draft. So we each will get three picks of our favorite schools to, for our teams to win against. Um, as our guest of honor, you get to pick first and then Christian will go second and then me, and then we'll just cycle back through. It's not snakes. So it's just, right. So we're going top three. So we're going three to one or one to three. Uh, so if one of us says it, we can't pick it again. So I normally do my favorite team to pick first. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Favorite team to pick. Well, I mean, that's easy. That, that, that's, I mean, we're talking Commonwealth clash here. Uh-huh. I mean, Virginia Tech, in-state rival, UVA, anytime, you know, we get to get a leg up on those guys, it's always, always fun. It's, 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 it's a great rivalry. It's, um, it, it's a lot of fun. The Commonwealth Clash adds, adds another element to it. So you involve all your sports across the board. It's not just football, basketball, it's, it's everything. So each, every single game, whether it's track, swimming, golf, tennis, volleyball, whatever the case may might be, it matters. Mm-hmm. It's part of that Commonwealth clash. It gets you points to be the, the, the state champion at the end. So it's for me, number one, UVA. I love That's that. Good. So I went to a small college. And so I'm going to pretty much just do the top three most annoying universities in the country. <laughs> just three universities I just don't think should exist. And number one is Alabama. I mean, who is, who is, who enjoys watching Alabama play? I mean, nobody, unless you're an Alabama fan, not one person. <laughs> Fair enough. I will uh, tell that one, one of my, my, one of my assistant directors who's actually heavily involved with NIL. Um, he kind of helps me with a lot of his JC Godin. So he's, <laughs> he's a, he's an Alabama alum and uh, went oh, to law gosh. school there. So yeah, it was funny. He, he actually, 
the the um, person before him went to Auburn, and I and I told him he went he went out to California, and I told him I was like, well, we're going to replace you with an Alabama grad. So oh. <laughs> you can imagine how that's brutal. That's brutal. <laughs> uh, so I'm I went to South Carolina, so another in state for me. It's got to be Clemson. Clemson. I just yep. my two oldest brothers went to Clemson and stayed Carolina fans. That's just how how deep my hatred for Clemson runs. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah, that's a good one. So, yeah, so this will be more of a more of a personal one and it's it's got to be WVU. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. So, again, growing up, you know, I was a fan as a kid and things like that, you know, things happened became so went to Marshall and so immediately you feel that rivalry right away. Um you know, they all, you know, it's the little brother kind of thing. And they're always telling you, and we always want to be, we we want to compete. We want to show that we can compete, all those sorts of things. So that, that really intensified the, the feelings there. And then you come down to Virginia Tech and um, you just add that on top of the Marshall stuff and the history of Virginia Tech, you know, WVU goes back to the big East days, the dime, you know, you have the black diamond trophy and all that. So when we were able to play them in that series, you know, we played at FedEx Field in DC and we've had this home and home series, you know, it just you can really feel, you know, how um how passionate both fan bases are and and, and how much we want to beat one another. So plus you got the in family rivalry. That that's makes right. Fun. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So WVU Oh, I thought that was too. West Virginia joke. You said in family I am from West Virginia, so let's let's tread lightly there. <laughs> I'm gonna have to kick him out of the call right now. We'll continue our draft without him. <laughs> hey, I thought you did it. I thought you did it. Uh, so yeah. number two for me would be because I'm a new USC fan because I like Joe so much. It would be USC in California. It's almost like a ripoff, right? University of Southern Cal. Not many people like yeah. him in general, but I just don't like how they're USC. Yeah. Even though we totally fumbled the bag because we were using USC, then stopped it, then they picked it up, and <laughs> totally our fault. But yeah. I like it still. Mine's Ohio State. I irrationally cannot stand Ohio State. We never play them, but for whatever reason, I just cannot stand Ohio State. There's a number of reasons, but why I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I actually got to go to that game, what was it 2014? Early, early teens when we went up there to Columbus and uh, ended up beating them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was I bet that was electric man that was oh, amazing cool. I mean our fans had a great presence and, I have, and you're right it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. beating Ohio State that was uh that was a good time and then they feels... did the same to us back in Blacksburg so <laughs> one for Heck one yeah that's cool you're at that game though yeah yeah that was that and that's one great thing about working in college athletics is to be in those environments i mean we're all sports fans here and it's like to be able to it, there's nothing like being in an environment like that and that's another great thing about working here a night game in lane stadium there's nothing like it man it's just it's uh it's 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 as good as it gets as far yeah. as i'm concerned a game day atmosphere so i'd love to just love it so now i got to come up with number three that's gonna be tough Number three, oh man, I'd have to say, I'd have to say Miami. Mm. Miami's probably number three. Just... Oh, I was gonna say Miami. Oh no, <laughs> gonna you gotta go back now. to the drawing board. Yeah, oh, no, no. for the U here. It's oh, dude. It's just I don't know. I, when you look at a, a like a fan base like a Virginia Tech or like you know WVU's got that fan base, a very passionate, uh, committed, all you know year round fan base and. 
I feel like Miami fans, they only show up when they're, when they're good and when it's convenient and they, you know, they, you only hear them chirping when they're, you know, doing something yeah. uh, when they're successful somewhere and they don't, you know, it's just kind of fair weather, right? Fair yeah. Weather. Bring back 2001 whenever right. they need and, to. And, or, you yeah. know, it's also, they have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, like a Walmart, a lot, a lot of Walmart fans, right? Mm-hmm. They, they just go pick a shirt in Walmart oh, and they yeah. put it on and they say they're, they're a Miami fan, right? It's not the, you know, your passionate alums and those types of things like, like that I, that I like to consider like myself as. So, but anyway, I was, Miami, it's fun to be Miami. I think if we did a draft of the top three most overrated cities in America, I'd put Miami up there as well. Just as a city. It should all. Yeah. Number three for me, I would say I grew up an hour and a half from Durham, North Carolina. Actually, a little less than that. So I had to pick a side growing up. But I didn't really have too many dogs in the fight, but I became a UNC fan because I had to. They they put a gun to my head and were like, you're either UNC or Duke. And I didn't <laughs> like the Duke blue, so I picked UNC when I was young. So we'll yeah. have to go Duke as number three. That's fair. I'm There's there's a lot at the tier three that I hate, but I'm going to go Georgia right now. I just I love beating Georgia. It doesn't happen much, but whenever it does, it's so fun. Yeah. You know, they got it rolling down there. Yeah. You beat, you beat a team like Georgia, you've done something. It's a good benchmark for your program if, you know, to to be able to to beat their teams. But, yeah, it's – I don't know if it's going to happen for a number of years, but we'll see. They're good. And their their fans are vicious. It's, it's kind of like LSU fans. That's what I'm saying. There's yeah, a LSU lot. LSU fans are nuts. Yeah. And they all travel well, too. Yeah. Yeah, they do. I actually got to go to um, – uh, Georgia at South Carolina this past fall. Went down with a couple buddies, played some golf, went to a game. and That was a tough one to be there for. <laughs> yeah. 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 Georgia absolutely thumped them. But, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, you can, it's just their fans are just rabid fans, man. They're just, mm. it's, uh, it's, it's quite, quite the experience to see how, um, how passionate th- that group is. That's true. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to yeah. us. It's, I think everyone and that's a fan of college football is interested by NIL and some have a little bit more idea than others, but there's still a lot of question marks around yeah. a lot. And so it's, yeah, no, I, and you know, I enjoyed it. This was fun. I appreciate you guys having me on and, 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 and talking and I'll, I would tell anybody that's interested, you know, if anybody wants to know more has questions and we say this anytime we talk about NIL, whether it's, um, meetings with donors or any presentations with staff, things like that. If you have questions, you know, just look us up on the website, hit us up. We're happy to help. We know it's new. It's, it's confusing. Don't know how to get started. Just give us a shout. We'll point you in the right direction. Help you figure it out. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll set up another meeting about how me and Joe get NIL money. (laughs) 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 